So we recently went live with a new content format a few weeks ago. We're going to spend some time today chatting about and laying out uh, for the IP community what we're covering and how we're covering it. Um, let's start with the what. Well, it's a, it's a pretty selective list of, of companies that we've been following for, well, some of them for for a decade, others for for shorter, but they tend to fall in certain categories. And um, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of the companies we follow are you know, have the attributes of the standard quality business jargon. You know, right toll route toll road type businesses. You know, whether that's information providers or. And we're looking at Donahoe and bioprocessing and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's various different categories of businesses like that that we that we like to explore. Um, you know, others would be any business that, well, most businesses that would have a have a deployed base of assets that they then feed with, uh, you know, consumables that generate recurring revenue. So. Any medical, medical or industrial equipment businesses, you know, some of the aero engine OEMs, uh, you know, the standard kind of razor razor blade model, effectively. Um, yeah, or, or there's other kind of kind of concepts or, or, or business models that we find particularly interesting: B two B distribution, Fastenal, Watsco, Ferguson. Um, you know, some of the Nordic ones, which have a very unique or crucial component of the value chain, which they're serving fragmented suppliers and, and customers. We find interesting that we've covered. Obviously, serial acquirers, that could be anything from Constellation to Judges, Halmer, you know, any Nordic, Nordic acquirers. Um, and in other business models that we, that we typically find attractive, B2B, vertical market software, uh, you know, some marketplaces or auctions, Auction type businesses that could be anything Copart, ACV, to towards all the old classified businesses, and yeah, vertically integrated e-commerce, Amazon, Wayfair, you know, various other businesses in in that kind of structure that look to vertically integrate across the value chain, control all of the experience, provide better experience, and then discount retail, asset managers, franchises, you know, certain, those kind of business models that we're, we're exploring and we tend to go deeper in others um, than some, but there's there's about six or seven of those kind of structures, structured buckets that we look at that typically, well, that, that, we, that we cover and that could, that could, well, it does go across all industry, industries, there's no one that we focus on. Um, but there are also some industries that we that we think are particularly interesting that we just tend to spend a bit more time on. You know, aerospace aftermarket being one that we spent a, a ton of time on um, last year. So yeah, that, that's kind of how we've how, how 
how we've how our kind of coverage is, is bucketed. We'll, we'll probably communicate this a bit clearer at some point and get it down on paper. But I think really it's it's, it's nothing necessarily unique to what people you know some of the you know, investors typically know are high quality attributes. I think our work is just to make sh- you know make sure that or try to understand and help others understand how good and how much conviction can you really have on those attributes? You know, how much of a toll road really is, is, you know, Moody's or, or, or whatever some of these businesses that we're looking at. Um, and, and hopefully when we, when we selected the right businesses that we can study them for decades, you know, and actually allow the compounding to work rather than, you know, just flipping over so many companies that, that, you know, trying to trying to understand too many different things. There's many more serial acquirers out there than we actually research. There's more vertically integrated e-commerce businesses that than we cover. Um, say say a bit more about, frankly, what is a degree of arbitrariness in in what we actually work on. Um, in the context of this first-party IP research work and offering? Well, like the, the, the serial acquisition stuff, I mean, there are different types of serial acquisition. I mean, we wrote a piece on this, and there's other work that's been great. Um, I think Scott Partners, maybe, I think it's called, and um, that classify certain types of businesses that, that conduct serial acquisition, you know, to, to or at least attempt to... to acquire companies consistently um, that's accretive to, to, to earn in earnings. We focus a lot on what they're actually acquiring. You know, there's a bunch of things in, in the Nordics or across Europe that are rolling up, I don't know, you know, gardeners and painters and decorators and random stuff that, you, that you'll find, you know. So obviously, you know, we think that, just fundamentally, one of the best businesses out there is you know, those with with highly recurring revenue, SaaS-like revenue, um, and therefore, you know, consolation and acquiring VMS is high up on the list in terms of the quality of the assets that you can programmatically acquire at scale. And there's and there's you know different flavors of that for everything from the from best-in-class VMS to painters and decorators. <laughs> There's everything in between, right? And and so we, we try to classify. I mean, we have some kind of selection process, maybe me unconsciously, but it's, you know, it's the quality of the asset and it's the quality of the team, you know, how the operational process and how they actually go about acquiring these these businesses, you know, how can you scale the acquisition, the the, the, the volume and the, and, and the size of the acquisition and, and, and the interplay between those two. So there's many different layers of, of, of serial acquisition, but I think the ones that we've picked out historically, well, let's see if they stand the test of time, but, you know, the likes of Constellation and Judges, Halmar, Diploma, Bergman and Bevin, Lagerkrans, like, you know, these, these businesses have a, have a certain philosophy and culture over acquisition, plus understand the underlying assets they're acquiring that, seem to provide more durable earning power than at least acquiring painters and decorators. And and this is what I wanted to draw, that there's a degree of arbitrariness that we 
are are not inclined to shy away from. Uh, we think these businesses are worth our time. We think they're worth our community's time. Um, we think that in our capacity as long-term fundamental investors. And so, so it is a it is a very narrow and deep uh, approach to coverage and to our work. Um, let's let's talk about the actual format. So we, we you know we've been publishing interviews for years. Uh, we started a couple of years ago on a weekly basis, summarizing for public consumption what we've been learning, why we've been conducting certain interviews, how we've been doing it, what we've been learning from from our time spent in the field working on specific businesses and industries. Um, what is it about this company learning journey that that is relevant to you and and to our to our community? At its heart, it's almost just an extension of our internal research process. And we've been doing this for years in some kind of format, and, and now we're just structuring it in a way that helps other people you know, go on that journey with us. But I, I think we embedded this in our in our internal primary research process. You know, I've been doing this for about eight, nine years or whatever, however long, in terms of the structure of conducting interviews with executives, the post-interview review process, you know, the pre-interview interview process or research process, style of interviews, um, you know, summarizing what what we've learned and structuring those insights. And I, I think that the company learning journey format really, you know, came about because, well, firstly, because we're just, we're in a world with just so much noise out there. Right? You know, when we've, over the last four years since we've started, I mean, the amount of executive interview content that's been published has 10 x on a monthly basis. So part of the, you know, uh, but yeah, the amount of noise, i.e. content that has been published is 10 x but the, the fundamental job to be done, what investors want, which is to learn about businesses, to build conviction in, in, in a thesis, hasn't changed. And, and so I think part of the context here is just to you know, focus on what we as investors and what our community would want, which is to actually learn about these companies. Like how do they work? How does this industry function? How does this business work? And, and frankly, how do I learn about this as effectively as possible? And so that means, you know, the whole learning journey for, a, for an investor, that's from finding and starting from scratch on learning about a new company, you know, getting into new companies and industries, to just ramping up on a company that you might already know at least some about or some of the competitors and then really finally to hit on the one or two key questions that that only really matter for any company once you know it really well and once you, or, or you own it and so like part of the format part of the learning journeys and also the other formats that we've that we've rolled out is is really just to to, to hit on that fundamental truth which is people want to learn investors want to learn that's never changed just because you have 10 times the amount of content and so this this format really is a it's it's fundamentally just a curation of all our internal research on any given company that we, that we work on, and that is from interviews to the research analysis that we conduct, covering one or two key angles on the business, to surveys, to value chains, and the aim is to provide a, a guided journey for investors to learn about about this given company, and you know that could be I mean. 
the transdime piece is like what six years of research like you know of i don't know how many interviews i've done on on, on transdime but it's got to be 50 plus you know private and public and and so you know that and, and for me it was quite actually a it was much more difficult than I expected to go and read all that content, just so much of it, but then add, you know, curate that. And it was even helpful for, for, for me to do that and, and actually really structure the learning. So the aim really is to have, you know, a, a clear way for, for our community to, to pick up a new business or industry, to get up to speed, to l- learn about the industry structure, the, you know, the business model, what really matters, how it works, and, and walk through how, how that how that industry and, and business really functions to help them to help them learn. I want to address something that maybe in the back of some of our community or, or audiences' minds, which is it's probably yeah pretty pretty blindingly obvious, but I, I wouldn't trust a primary research service to curate information for me. It's simply they're, they're, they're not investors. They don't think like investors, the people that, that staff these businesses. They, they don't have the training to, to assess what is relevant to investors. So, you know, in jest, I'm going to say, who the, who the hell is Will Barnes? Who the hell is in practice to, to think they can curate this material? And, 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 and that, by that, I mean an, an invitation to actually talk a little bit about, about what you do with your life, how you spend your life. Doing this, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no, but I mean, really, like I, you know, no one should trust anyone blindly. You know, I think uh, hopefully the the proof is in the pudding, and, and read it, and 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 hopefully that is, you know, that can that can showcase the quality of the work. But yeah, we, you know, I spend my life doing this, in in committing myself to understanding these businesses, and you know, we I feel lucky and blessed that we have a infrastructure that effectively gives us you know i have unlimited research budget to, to figure this out so once i get my once i get stuck into something i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out right it's just a matter of time and so once i do figure it out you know i'm gonna share it and you know we might i think we've evolved a lot in finding the correct format to share that and i think this will still this will still evolve i don't think this is the i think it's perfect by any means i think it's the format and how we communicate, how we write, how we explain what we've learned is kind of evolve a lot, but the commitment's there, you know, we're committed to, to truly understand these businesses. And, you know, we never set out to be GLG and be a prime research vendor. It just kind of happened like this, you know, it's, you know, I see it, I see us as investors at heart. So I don't think I don't necessarily have to prove that to anyone. And hopefully the work proves itself. So I guess just check, just check it out. Tell me where it's crap. <laughs> Tim Brown wrong. <laughs> and we've, we've had that before, right? We've had companies that we've covered tell us where something was <laughs> not quite right, which is perfect. So more of that. Right. So with a bit of luck, what we're up to with this format is is clear at a high level. Let's let's dive into a specific example today and have a look at at the work that we've been doing on Amazon. It's been it's been a few years now. You've owned the business for you don't today but you have for had for a number of years um what are people getting out of this this learning journey here and how have you structured it well it's it's funny because when we started this business 
we always knew there was a there was a market for like mid capy or mid capy type stuff because no one covers that, right? And there's some interesting businesses there. And the sales side haven't got enough capacity to cover it. With a hundred analysts or sales side analysts on Amazon, we you know we were unsure if we could truly add value, <laughs> and it turns out like. Well, we could. So uh, I think mainly just a sign of how complex these businesses actually are. But we split Amazon up into obviously retail and, and, and AWS at a high level. But o- on the retail side, I think you know the, the common narrative over the last, well, I don't know how much now, but pre-Q3, Q4 last year for the, last, for the prior 18 months, two years, a lot of investors that we come across, and I think the market narrative was that was that the Amazon retail business was a, was was a crappy business, it was a low margin crappy business, and and AWS is the is the crown jewel, and you know they break out the high operating margins, etc. And we almost, well, I almost thought it was not not the not the inverse in terms of AWS was was a crappy business, but. I always felt more confident in the terminal value of Amazon retail than AWS, and maybe that's just a, that's just a sign of me understanding retail more than cloud infrastructure, probably. But I, I did feel like that the the durability of the earning power of, of Amazon's retail business was something that was potentially misunderstood. So I, I think. This is this this company learning journey well, well, on, on the retail. Yeah, and business. just just on that, if I can, like let's well, and maybe you're getting to this, but to be explicit, this is a primary research service. We spend our lives doing primary research, getting out into the field, trying to understand and ask basic questions. So how does this system work? How does the value chain work? Who has power in the value chain? How oper- What is the operating reality and op- basic operating structure? Um, of of an organization of varying degrees of complexity, but um, yeah, let's 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 drill into that. Well, but, and by the way, that, that that original view might be you know could well be wrong, right? And that's I mean, the like, point you know, exactly. Like, it's just, it's just that a view that I had, and it wasn't right, it wasn't necessary right. that like you know this business is like you know indestructible, right? And Timu's giving it a shot now. Whether that lasts or not is a different question. But I think the point was that. The market wrote this business off effectively, you know, um, and therefore we just set about trying to explain exactly how it works. Right? And by explaining how it works, you know, hopefully or at least can help potentially build conviction, whether you think it's durable or not. Right? It's up to you to make up your mind. But, you know, we and, and that involves specifically on understand the infrastructure, you know, the retail infrastructure that Amazon has built out and. You know, a simple place to start, which we did start, was just to walk me through how a parcel moves through the network. You know, very simple. I don't care about you know margins or or, or whatever. Anything right now? Just I want to follow a parcel from from a third party seller all the way to a customer, and you know, just doing that, just doing that took us a good chunk of time. Right? <laughs> it's pretty complicated, and you've got various. You know, you've got UPS, you've got United Post Postal Service in there taking different parcels on different routes, um, and then obviously post pandemic or from COVID, that whole infrastructure completely changed. Right, where they built out what what Jassy called the equivalent of of FedEx and UPS in a couple in, in three years in terms of the 
the transportation network the, from the delivery station, the last mile piece, you know, the, the middle to last mile piece. So, so that like whole infrastructure actually changed during this period, which was a which was a pretty interesting time for us to, to to kind of set about and try and explain what's happened. And so, I think we start off with this learning journey by just literally going from first principles. Walk me for a parcel. How does it flow through the network? You know, we once we understood the the, the, the basics, we could then put in rough estimates of a, of a price per parcel, which helps you understand if and when Amazon do insource their network. Right, so historically they were selling, sending parcels via UPS and, and UPS to customers. Once they insource that piece, you can see how the difference in the cost per parcel changes. That will, you know, that improves the one the one cost line item in their in their PNL, which is the shipping cost. Which is you can see if you look if you look at the PNL, it's you know it's massively increased over the last five six years. Um, so, so really, just starting off there, and then, and then, and then working through the the network, how the network works, how you know, we'll explain how the network is designed. And I think there's a one of my favourite interviews actually of the last last year was with was with a former EVP of FedEx, and we explain exactly how how you you know network design and how how FedEx and UPS design their networks and you know the 60s 70s early 80s and and how that is different today with amazon built from scratch and that leads to single or multi-wave dispatch and how that leads to different volume throughput and you know variable cost per parcel and, and stuff like this so understanding like the, the, the core principles of how how a network truly works in, in terms of logistics network actually helps well, at least helped us understand more about how difficult this is and, and how Amazon is positioned versus incumbent incumbent networks. And that's something that Timu, you know, even though Timu will disintermediate, you know, the Chinese merchant and, and ship direct to customer, they still have to ship their parcels into a last mile car into UPS and FedEx to get it to the customer. And so they're going to be subject to the limitations that we lay out in this piece around how UPS and FedEx are structured. They can only run typically single or sometimes, you know, mainly single uh, single wave dispatch. And there's a limitation to the volume throughput and, the, and therefore the cost per parcel that Timu is, is going to be subject to. Uh, whether that means, you know, whether that's still cheaper than Amazon, I haven't, I haven't done the work yet, but I think this is a healthy framework to even handicap that risk from Timu. Um, yeah, and and then we move on to looking at, I guess, just the, the fundamentals of um, the network, the different building types, the you know the, the number of you can see the number of buildings in each in each type that has, that has evolved over the last few years, and you know, key we just also work on Kiva and Sparrow and how that improves potentially the pick and pack cost. Yeah, and then I think that the, the core question, which is we don't typically do this 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 type of work um, on like on, on valuation and doing work on um, you know decoupling the PNL. Um, in this case, it was kind of one of the core uh, you know questions we had from our from our investors, uh, many many clients that we just dis- we discussed with Amazon. It was 
it was really just around again how profitable is the Amazon retail business? How what is the normalized earning power of that business? And given how secretive and how complex Amazon is, I you know it has various different business units, grocery, Cooper, you know all these other things in, included in that PL. You know, a big chunk of our work was trying to was trying to decouple that consolidated PL and understand exactly what is, you know, they have Whole Foods in there, they have advertise, you know, various different businesses in there. You know, the international business in Brazil and India, like, you know, they're, they're very different life cycles that actually distorts what the true earning power is of you know some of the mature markets. So like that this was a chunk of our work in in decoupling the the e-commerce only PL from the consolidated PL. So that's at you know, passing out AWS, passing out Whole Foods, and then and eventually passing out some of those what we called and, and what you know we spoke to a former finance manager at Amazon to, to, to go through this and what they actually call internally these 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 kind of science, science, scientific bets, you know, on 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 again on, on Cooper, on the robotic stuff they're doing and, and you know, groceries is, is somewhat different. And so there's a, hopefully that helps just provide a framework of, of, of navigating that. And yeah. And, and, and if you actually, you know, updated the model last quarter and it's interesting how even, even in Q4, they've seen massive changes in, in the, the normalized you know, earnings, if you, if you use that framework in terms of the shipping costs decreased massively, that the utilization has improved and you can see like the, the earning power that's um, compounding in, in that business that just isn't shown in the accounts just yet. So, I mean, you've taken this through now about half the piece um, or maybe two thirds of it. Uh, I think there's, you know, people will find here a segment on advertising. Yeah, we um, do a couple of the advertising business, and actually, I think one 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 of the, one of another interesting learning that that I think you'll see in Amazon, you know, Amazon recently, um, literally last week, launched Prime Video advertising. Um, and that was one. So, and, and that that's typically the non-endemic, but well, partly the non-endemic advertising that they're also trying to attack as well. Um, and I think that was one thing that's not really clear from from Amazon's. I mean, Amazon's report. It's it's kind of incredible how opaque Amazon's reporting really is. Um, but they have multiple different advertising formats and invent, inventory types in there that make it. That, that kind of somewhat make it difficult to understand the true potential here. So we just map out difference between an endemic, which is the typical advertising on Amazon owned and operated properties versus non-endemic, which is, you know, those, uh, you know, potential advertising opportunities on non-Amazon properties on the open web where advertisers can leverage Amazon's first party data. Um, so yeah, anyway, that, that's kind of like a brief run through, but it's, and, the, and these, you know, these pieces are supposed to be a, it's the one thing we never we didn't really touch on, but they're supposed to be a, they're never complete. Like you don't, you don't, you don't complete Amazon. <laughs> it's not Call of Duty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're always learning about, it. so there's going to be another, 
there's no like for example i'm working on grocery now you know so there'll be another there'll be another part of the learning journey which will be amazon grocery amazon fresh and whole foods like, what are they doing there and that will be a different work you know work stream or learning journey whatever you want to call it where we will go and do a bunch of re, you know primary research on amazon grocery and online grocery and then we'll share what we've learned and that will be added to this piece so it's it's, it's you know it's a, supposed to be an evergreen rolling never-ending journey to understand these these businesses so for those that that are just getting to know in practice that have more recently come across the service um that where, where trust has has yet to be built um why am i just being reasonably skeptical why am I trusting you to structure this learning journey? And and why am I trusting you to, to select themes, key research questions? Where does the rigor in your process comes from? How can I, how can I have some degree of confidence that if I pick up a new name, I'm not going to end up really dramatically misled in, in terms of what's important as a result of, the choices that, that you and the IP team have made? Well, I think read it and, and check it out for yourself, I think, firstly. But secondly, I mean, the only thing I can say is, firstly, you shouldn't trust me blindly, that's for sure. But I think the only thing I could say is, like I said, I'm, I'm committed to understand these businesses and we have an unlimited research budget. So you have someone here that's going to do you know, spend tens of thousands of dollars on, on certain topics of a, of a business to truly understand how it works and is focused in not providing any recommendation. And, you know, there's no buy, hold, sell signal here. It's just trying to literally understand from first principles how something works. And, yeah, I think check it, check, check it out for yourself for those that you know. But other than that, is that you can you can bank on you know we're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know you've got someone who's done thousands of these hours, thousands of hours of calls, and and is committed to learn about about these topics. Once we find something that we think is particularly interesting, I think what's also in the way we've we've been we've we've evolved, but we've also we've been dramatically impacted by the nature of the work by by a field work first philosophy because plenty of people have money you know plenty anyone can go and spend a hundred grand maybe not anyone but a lot of people out there can go spend a hundred grand and raise two three hundred k and researching a company that's not that's not difficult um what is really important that i'd highlight in in the way that we work and the way that you work is field work first getting out it's it's developing a set of research questions digesting reading all the filings reflecting um developing a set of working hypotheses and then getting out into the field and something that we you know we'll talk about a lot that you'll hear from us you know anyone listening or subscribing to in practice is is we may not be the world's leading authority on amazon but we are damn good at finding the people that built it the people that compete with it um we are uh, the each segment of the value chain we will find competent believable human beings with deep experience relevant circles of expertise and we will ask them what they know about how things work and we will and, and we're pretty damn good at getting out the way and letting operators speak for what they know is true about how things work uh, and and that 
Oh, but this is it's hard, very right? important to understand. It's extremely hard. It's very difficult. I mean, it's not it's not easy, and I think we're still learning, and we've got massive room to improve. But yeah, I think we this is just a way of life for us, right? I mean, we've been doing this for for a while now, and I couldn't imagine living in a different way, frankly, in in terms of. Uh, give me some give me some outcomes here as we we wrap up this this session. On Amazon, there's a whole you know segment on AWS that we've broken out. We're not going to get into that now. Um, but if I, you know, I, I could I could probably read with the amount of material that we have on AWS on the retail business, you know, I, I, I could read the actual curated learning journey in probably a couple of hours if I'm reading it carefully. Um, there, there's there's as we've just said, there's several years of work, maybe you know, five six years of work that have gone into this. Tens of interviews, 30, 40 plus interviews, uh, probably more actually, probably 50 plus interviews um, over a number of years. What am I actually getting from this piece? And, and, and what does this tell me about what I can expect from, from a company learning journey? What are the outcomes here, briefly, if we can recap them? Well, I think it's, it's, it's around those points, right? It's around understanding the, the, the fundamentals of how Amazon's network is designed the, the fundamentals of the advertising business, you know, literally from from first principles, there's no kind of forecast really in here. There's, you know, there's not. It's more just about how how the network structured, how the P and L is structured, how the Amazon advertising business is structured. Hopefully, this stuff is timeless. Um, <laughs> well, unless Amazon re changes all their reporting or whatever, and <laughs> you know, which is possible. But yeah, I think look, but our commitment and our promise to to our community doesn't change. You know, we're here to find the best executives on these companies on the planet and learn from them and share our learnings in effective ways. You know, this is just an evolution of that, and I'm pretty damn sure there'll be another revolution at some point. Uh, but hopefully, this is helpful. Excellent. Happy learning.